0: come up here JB. You're on the program. The 3 of you are on the program today. Okay. Come sit sit right there. Okay. We saved you 3 seats. Well, I'm I'm always glad people come back. Sometimes you go, oh, I hope that wasn't too crazy. Um, but it wasn't. So you so you're back here again. Just as a, who's here for the first time? Okay. All right, good. So you didn't come back. This is it. This is, this is you like on the high dive. Uh, what the heck? <laughs> um, so what are we doing in this class? We are, we are doing those three things on the left-hand side. As a, as a quick reminder, well, I think the reminder is the next slide. So this is what we're doing. How do we, how do we have and maintain a freedom mindset? How do we take freedom action? That is, and this is all out of Romans 8. How do we maintain a freedom connection? So the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. If by that spirit we're putting to death the the deeds of the flesh, that is the things in us that are killing us and maybe our mate. And if you're not sure what those are, ask your husband or wife. They've got some ideas. And then how do we maintain this connection where we're led by the spirit? The thing that makes us different from the world isn't belief, behavior, fill-in-the-blank, rituals on Sunday or non-rituals on Sunday. The thing that makes us different from the world is that we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. And there's nothing else that makes us different. If you lined all of us up in a perp walk, God could pick us out. (laughs) But maybe other people couldn't. We would like them to, but maybe not. So this... This piece of it is—you may have heard of Freedom Prayer Ministry. This piece of it is what Freedom Prayer is all about. Okay, but it—it's Holy Spirit is about these three things. So these are the three biggies. After Paul goes all the way through the book of Romans, he says, um, "This is how you're to walk out your life, being led by the Spirit." So this is all. <clears throat> so so far in this class in week one. We went through the Book of Romans in thirty-two point seven seconds. It was really fast, um, and um, then mm, I think maybe that was. Did we do the hats last week? Okay. So does everybody remember me? Not me. All right. How many of you went back to Romans to see if I was lying? <laughs> oh, don't raise your hands. But but well, we talked about where Paul Paul does this crazy. Sleight of hand, sleight of logic. And then he goes, if I'm doing the thing that I don't want to do, then maybe it's not me doing it, but sin that dwells in me. And all of a sudden you realize he has gotten leverage inside from sin. And he has said, actually, I'm a born-again son of God. I'm not a sinner. See, we, we sometimes think it's sort of religious to say... Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And there is some truth to that, but that's, that's saying, oh, I'm just a babe in the womb. Well, you're not. You've been born, okay? And so you have been born again. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. Now you're a son or a daughter filled with the Spirit, and God doesn't count your sin against you. And Romans 6, 1 says, should we sin that grace might increase? Which is the logical conclusion... When you talk about the goodness of God, the logical conclusion is, well, I can get away with anything. And God's like, yeah, but you're a new person. Why would you want to? Like, you've just been let out of prison. Why would you go commit a crime? You're, you're a free man now, okay? And then we talked about this: that that when I begin to think of myself in this way, I am a spirit. I have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and I live in a body. But I am a spirit. And so Romans 1 through 7 and 8, first verse, there is therefore not no condemnation, is all past tense. Now we're in present perfect, okay, and, and now we're in this place where God says, um, okay, because all of that is true, that's how, this is how I want you to walk. Connected to God, walking in the Spirit, putting to death the deeds of the flesh, being led by the Spirit. Your mind set on God. That's how I want you to live. And so, um, there have been a lot of people. So, freedom prayer is sort of like a doorway drug into this. We found that that's to be true. It's like, if I start using freedom prayer to deal, connecting with God to deal with issues in my life, I, I ask the inevitable question well, why don't I just connect with Him all the time? I mean, why do I have to wait until I'm in big trouble and go see Dad? Why don't I hang out with Dad? You know, and so it's that sort of a feeling. And so, Janna Beth is one of those people who uh, just has been walking with us for a while and I said, come just tell us a little bit about your story. So there you go. So
1: here I am, gonna a little bit. <laughs> okay, so um sorry. <laughs> I actually took notes and my notes didn't come to my email, so it's all good. Just, just gonna share it. from the spirit so i was raised extremely conservative like most of you in here and not a lot about the holy spirit at all um and when freedom prayer came up i actually jumped in and took the classes and i'm on the team and um my very first freedom prayer session um the lord really opened up my eyes to a lot of ungodly beliefs that I had. And in the first class, though, when I when I read the word ungodly belief, I was like, I don't have any ungodly beliefs. That's not me. I don't have ungodly beliefs. <clears throat> but ungodly beliefs are, are lies that Satan can like sneak into your life and and feed you and tell you, and you don't even know that, that they're there. And so my first ungodly belief that he uncovered was, um, I'm not good enough. That was the very first... Like I had, I didn't know that I was believing that lie, and I had been believing that lie since I was in first grade. Like the Lord, like brought me this memory of me in the first grade, and all my friends in the Redbird Blue Redbird group, and I was in the Bluebird group, and I knew that they could read better than I could. And Satan snuck in in that little time when I was in first grade and said, "You're not good enough. You're not a good reader." <coughs> so that was my first. First encounter with that, and then my second one, he really um, unveiled some some sins and some um, unforgiveness that I had that I had no idea I was carrying at all. And then when I asked the Lord what He wanted me to share, He made me really sweat (laughs) because um, I, like Andy just said, once you Realize that you can really get alone with the Lord and just spend time with him anywhere It can be in your car. It can be in the bathroom, It can be wherever it can be wherever if you just stop and just ask Hey, what's going on? What do I need to work on or hey? I just really want to what do you think about me or what do I need to do? Um, he will really stop and he will really speak to you. So last summer I took a different class I was trying to level up my business the name of the course was Level Up. And um, I, I got in the class, and then one of the questions I thought I was going to be all about skin care and how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to do this. The very first question is what are some things that you don't want anybody to know about? What are some things that you, what are the root things inside of you that you don't want anybody to know about? And so I was like, oh my okay, goodness, this is free freedom prayer. Everything is freedom prayer. So I got my freedom prayer book out. And I went and just sat with alone with the Lord, and I just said, Lord, like, what do you want to talk to me about? What is this? And a lot of things came up and off of me, and um, one of those things was soul ties. A lot of language comes up in freedom prayer, and I had no idea what a soul tie was whenever I was first introduced to that, but that's past relationships. It can be, um, it can be physical relationships, it could be emotional relationships, but I had a lot of relationships when I was younger, growing up, and so um, I asked the Lord to break soul ties with everybody that I had had intimate relationships with, because the Lord also brought up to me that I had um, asked Him, here's my very vulnerable part, people, (laughs) I had asked him multiple times in my life for me to not ever be able to get pregnant because I was having sex before marriage. And so I begged him and I pleaded with him many times to not let me be pregnant. And that's a vow that I made to the Lord. And I didn't realize how powerful my words were at that time. So when he brought that to me, I was like, "Oh my goodness. Those are really powerful words." And so, during that time, I just asked him to forgive me of all of that thing, all of those times that I had begged him to not let me be pregnant. And then I got
0: pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, did do you the double portion, I think. <laughs>
1: words have a lot of power in them and and that and just freedom prayer has literally transformed my life in many many ways but that is the biggest one that God asked me to share with you all so I haven't talked to my mom about it yet <laughs> oh, don't go tell her <laughs> but Father God
0: does. that's so fun we all have stories um for most of us, the, the end of the book's not written. It's, it's going to be written. And uh, I'm into happy endings. <laughs> I'm into happy endings. Um, We're going to talk about the rest of the day today, uh, interacting with God. That, that, that might be kind of a, you know, we think about, we pray to God, I study about God, but is there a two-way? Is there a two-way? Somebody wrote me an email uh, that they've been impacted with kind of, uh, we don't mean the advertised free prayer. They were impacted by God in a way that they connected with God. And they said, my prayer, well, that was, she was in the video. My prayers were used to be one-way prayers, right? But now they're not. They've changed radically, and I, I can say that for me. So Greg is going to come up and, and talk a little bit about his world and some things he's learned, and then I'm going to come back and take you through an exercise. We're all going to go to the third, no, I'm just kidding. That. Yeah. Most of the table. Okay. Well,
2: my name is Greg Cranks, and uh, I'm thinking I'm I'm getting ready to uh, make myself vulnerable a little bit in this, <laughs> but I have no worries now. <laughs> Jenabeth, what a heart. We love you, and I pray for you every day. Thank you. Well i 'm going to try to talk about my uh, testimony and it's more of a timeline because i want I, I want it to be sort of connected to this idea of hearing God and as as I've grown in the Lord, there were times when I thought I was hearing him and times I definitely was not hearing him and so basically what I want to do is is kind of keep it in those terms. I have to say this as a sort of a disclaimer uh, I had it already Linda uh, Got up this morning. She was very sick. She's not here. Uh, and so what I want to say is when I share this, uh, and this goes back. We've been married 47 years, and, and I go back a, a few more years than that. But um, what I've encountered and what I've experienced, a lot of that was common to her, and in other times not so much. Uh, so uh, whenever I share that, I'll, I'll point out a couple times when I know that we were together in that, and other times that maybe maybe we weren't. I want to start with this idea of seeking God and being connected to Him. Two scriptures, one from the Old Testament. uh, Moses, who knew that he wasn't going to be going into the Promised Land, uh, said this. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find Him if you look for Him with all your heart and with all your soul. And a very simple truth that we believe, Jesus put it this way uh, in the New Testament in, in a couple places. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find you know the scripture, knock on the door and it will be open to you. And so this idea of seeking God or or seeking intimacy with God or hearing God uh, is one that's ongoing in our life from day to day. Now, hearing God presumes something, and, and that is, as I just said, that maybe we're seeking God and therefore we will hear him. There are times when it doesn't quite work that way, and I'm going to give you an example uh, as we go along in my testimony of how God spoke to, I will say, us, Linda and I, uh, when we weren't really looking for it. (laughs) So uh, it's uh, something that I've shared over the years with with many people in our old church family in New Jersey, but uh, I want to start uh, with an excerpt. I don't want to say that this is the best part of the book. Uh, Andy, but it, this really... Jen uh, wrote it then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, actually, this is in the foreword. And uh, your friend Neil Anderson wrote this. And when I sat down a few weeks ago to start working on this, uh, I, I was reading through here, and I, I had... There was a big old asterisk there, so I knew that I had read it before, and that this was the second time it just, like, really got me. And this is what he says... <coughs> God led me through some life-changing events that enabled me to discover who I am in Christ and open my eyes to the reality of the spiritual world. And then this, he says, my ministry, I'm going to substitute in there my journey. My journey transitioned from a knowledge encounter with Scripture to a personal encounter with God. Now, that just, that struck me. A knowledge encounter with Scripture and a personal encounter with God. Um... That just resonated with me. It was so profound that I, I really want to kind of keep that in mind. And as, as I share this journey, you'll see that this wasn't like a light bulb went off and I'm, I'm good to go. This was a long journey with its ups and downs. And I, I suppose that most of you uh, wouldn't claim that uh, the light bulb came on. And, but mine was slow and mostly steady. I, I won't even claim that. But um, all of us, I think, can take comfort in, in this scripture because I certainly do. This is from Peter, who oftentimes needed Jesus to show him patience, did he not? And he says in his second letter, Second Peter three fifteen, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. And so all of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, can say, wow, well, I need a little patience, Lord, at this point in time. And So uh, he's been good to grant that to me, and I praise him for that. But as I sort of jump through some of these highlights, and as I say, this is a timeline, I want you to keep a couple questions in mind, as I have, as I did this. First of all, how did this event or this time look externally to those around me, maybe my teachers at a younger age or my coworkers or my employees or my church friends, whoever uh, is watching you live your life at at any point in time? How did it look to them? Because we all know that... (coughs) The external appearances aren't always what's going on inside. I mean, if you've lived, uh, talked with more than two people, and lived more than 20 years, you know that what you're seeing isn't necessarily what's going on internally. And so, as I share some of these things, think about that. And I, I'm going to hopefully disclose what was going on uh, internally. Number two, how was it transitioning from this knowledge encounter with scripture? Uh, to this personal encounter with God. As I move through my life, where was I in this transition from knowledge of Scripture to a relationship with God? <clears throat> now, I want—I think it's important to say at the beginning, there's absolutely nothing that we can say that's wrong or bad about a knowledge of Scripture. Okay, uh, So, I don't want you to think that I'm racing to get out of that side to come over to the personal relationship, because those of us who grew up in the Church of Christ tradition know this very well. What's 2 Timothy three sixteen say? All Scripture is what God breathed, and what else? It's useful for teaching, depending on rebuking, correcting, instruction, righteousness, depending on which translation you use. Uh, but you know, to say that we want to move from Scripture to personal isn't really what I'm what I'm saying here at all. Uh, I think Scripture is foundational. And it will always be that way. And so uh, it's sort of like hearing God can happen in more than one way. And we can hear God from the pages of Scripture, no doubt about it. So, okay, so let me begin this this timeline. Um, <clears throat> it's a little cloudy back there 60 years ago, but I do remember this. Our family, my mother and father, and my two siblings, and I never went to church together to the best of my Remembrance. We never attended church together. Uh, we were dropped off on Sunday morning so that I could go to Sunday school at the, my hometown Presbyterian church. I learned all the stories. You know, I still have some of the books. And you know, that was okay. When I was 13, uh, uh, an important event happened. Um, for many months, I prayed that my mother wouldn't die of cancer. Uh, but she did. And internally, I mean, you could look at that and, you, you know, people did and, oh, these poor kids. Um, but what I want to say is that at the time, I was only doing what probably somebody told me to do. It wasn't that I had this deep connection with God as a 13-year-old that I said, I, I'm, I have to do this. I'm compelled to do this. It was just uh, me. I don't know that I was listening or intimate with God, but I was just a very sad 13-year-old. That's what I knew to do, for whatever reason. I really can't say what, what that was. Okay, fast forward. I'm 26, and uh, Jeff was born. You, a lot of you know Jeff and Kara. Uh, he was born um, on, uh, in, in 1976. And all I remember saying about, this, this was my reaction, uh, me being the spiritual person that I am or was, I hope I'm still not this way. He said, uh, I, I said, well, I guess we should start going to church now because we have a baby. Well, that's better than saying I'm never going to church, but it doesn't reflect a, a deep understanding of God's will or or my intimacy with him, and, and, and that, in fact, is, is true. There wasn't much. What I recall about Easter Sunday in 1976 uh, was it was our first time to go to church in many years and, and uh, we had Jeff there, he was a baby and what I remember about that day is a lady sitting a couple pews in front of me turning around and saying can you believe all these people that only come to church on Easter and Christmas that's, that's my memory and I, I trust me, I've used that story many times when I spoke in our, in our church in New Jersey for 30 years uh, how not to greet visitors uh, but for Linda her recollection of that is, is quite different. She remembers a very moving Easter sermon that really sort of ignited a spiritual awakening in her. So that gives you an idea where we were relative to each other in that, at that time. Um, I want to just hit the pause button here one second because I do want to make sure that we talk about a scripture, a phrase that, that's very relevant to this idea of connecting to God. And it, it occurs in the in the New Testament in the Gospels several times and it's Jesus. And it typically was said right before or right after a parable. And the phrase you, you know very well is he who has ears, let him hear. Okay. Um, one of those places is in Matthew eleven, and I and I intentionally went to the living Bible just to see how the author put it, and he said this about if you have ears, let him hear. He says, if ever you were willing to listen, listen now okay and listening really is, is like the, the the word there uh, that that is important because we need to be listening don't we um, in the modern day vernacular we may say listen up this is important you know um, later on uh, in the in his ministry Jesus was confronting the, the Pharisees as he so often did and this is in John chapter 8 uh, verse 47. Jesus says in the hearing of the Pharisees, he who belongs to God hears what God says. In the very next verse, speaking to the Pharisees, you do not hear because you do not belong to God. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Uh, I don't think that we should ever want to hear those words. But my conclusion from from considering that and some of these other scriptures is that if we belong to God, and I think we feel that we do, uh, and we're listening eagerly, uh, with discernment that God provides through His Spirit, then we will hear God. Now, what that means exactly, you know, that maybe not audibly, maybe, but we will hear God. So I'm going to go back here, r- kind of speed this up here a little bit. Okay, we, I was in the Navy at that time. I was a Navy dentist. You know, I graduated, and we, we moved to New Jersey. We found a church home. Uh, we were baptized. Uh, we were 27 years old. Uh, we went to church three times a week. We did all the things that you're expected to do, right? Uh, and I thought, well, somewhere in there, oh, I, it wouldn't be right for me not to say that our daughter was born, too.
0: <laughs> uh, she
2: she lives over in the Memphis area, but uh, so she was born in that period of time. Somewhere in there, I was appointed as a deacon, and life was good, okay? Life was very good. Uh, we had it made. We had the boy and the girl, and a new practice that was taken off, and a new home, and all that stuff but I want to say at that point in time I was not and I will say we if she were here she would admit we were not listening for God at that point in time Um, and this is an example of uh, you know how God can speak to us when we're not even listening Um, a significant date April 3rd 1986 and uh, Andrew was born that day And of course, a baby being born is a significant date uh, in in any family's life, but this one is worthy of a little extra uh, attention, and for reasons some of you probably already know. And the reason for that is that um, a year or so before Andrew's birthday, I had a vasectomy. Uh, Yes, you heard that right. Uh, I had a vasectomy in 1985, and Andrew was born in 1986. Okay. The reaction is typically the same over the years. Is, is what what you're hearing now? You know, a little snickering, like "Whoa, really?" Oh, you know. Uh, and that was our react. Well, that wasn't exactly our reaction. Linda was not pleased when she found out she was pregnant, and I wasn't either because you know life was good. We had it all figured out. Uh, so I believe that our hearts weren't in the right place. We were not seeking God, and this is an example of God saying, "Hold up." Listen up now. If you ever did listen, listen to this. It was a little after the fact, but he got our attention on that one. And it would be easy to, you know, talk about how disappointed we were, how, oh, man, this just changed all of our plans now. All those plans we had for success, whatever that meant, and and, a good life jumped onto a different track. Like, set us back. It was seven years after Jessica was born. Set us back quite a bit. And so, um, the bottom line with that is, is that God will speak to us sometimes if He thinks we're far enough off track. Uh, and even people who weren't listening had to hear that one. Uh, and so, that to me was was a, a significant turning point uh, in our in our testimony. And I will say it, it was ours. Um, <laughs> Later on, in the following years, I was chosen as an elder. Our kids got married. We had grandkids. I retired from the same practice that that uh, was going to take me to, you know, the upper echelons. Uh, uh, For 33 years, I worked there. We moved here to Tennessee, and that was in 2016. And so, the the last date that I have here is really 2017. And in the fall of 2017. Uh, Jen Beth made reference to the Freedom Prayer class. And so um, we were sitting in the first class, and uh, I don't know, Jen's speaking next week. I don't know if she's going to do this. Okay. What I remember about this class was uh, Jen saying, I want you to close your eyes and imagine Father God right there with you. And I go, okay. So I closed my eyes, and um, what do you think I saw? wasn't the doctor from the... I said, no. Uh, what do you think I saw? Yeah, no. I saw nothing. <laughs> I saw absolutely nothing. I thought, well, you know, I would go back to my little pictures. Was he a guy with a big robe and a beard and a cloud? Uh, was he the, the, the guy, uh, I think it's in the book, that, about Abraham Lincoln in, the, in Washington, D.C., sitting there looking all stern, although we know we love him and he was a good man. He, he looked scary. Or even scarier, Mount Rushmore, a big old stern look. I mean, what is God supposed to look like? And I just did not have an answer. And so I, I guess you could make your own determination as to where I was internally. I did all the right things, you know, all those years. And I was an elder, and I was this, and I taught classes. I did it all. But when it came time to visualize God next to me, I couldn't do it. So ask yourself, where was I in that journey from a knowledge of Scripture to a relationship with God? I hadn't gone too far, had I? So today, uh, here we are. And uh, I have to say, (laughs) I haven't arrived by any stretch of the imagination. um, But I will say what the difference has been for me, and this has been about 18 months ago, I guess. It was the fall of 2017. What the difference has been for me uh, in this transition from a knowledge encounter to a personal uh, encounter. And that, to me, another way of putting that is a, a relationship or, or a situation where you know about God to a situation where you know God. Okay. It's great to know about God. We can learn about Him. We, you know, your neighbor's down the street. You know, there's different levels of intimacy, isn't there? In an appropriate level, you know i I may know their names, I know what they do I'll wave to them, but I'm not intimate with them, but with God, I want to be intimate and i I was he was more like the neighbor that I knew something about because I'd read the scriptures uh, I knew about him, but in the last year, i've grown to know him more than I ever did in all the other sixty years before that, and that's I'm not that sounds like I'm exaggerating, but that is just as true as it can be in my life. I mean, just list a couple of things. First of all, I better understand God's love for me. I read about it. I knew it in my head, but it just means something much more to me now. I'm not going to take too much of your time. I was going to read my favorite psalm. is Psalm 139. And I sort of call that the treatise on love, intimacy, and destiny. And... I just—it's—it speaks to me. Uh, you can take the time if you want to uh, to read some of those verses. Not not all of them. There's some that don't fit that little uh, that purpose for me. But but definitely, this is a, a, a psalm about how much God loves us, how much He has a destiny for us, and that He knew all of our days before the first one ever happened, uh, and just how intimate He is with us, and we can be with Him. So. Uh, God comes close to me daily now, and for a very simple reason, I, I invite him. I never invited him before. It didn't occur to me to invite him. Now I do, and he's there every day without, with very little effort, I will say, uh, on my part, because I have a desire for that intimacy. I didn't I didn't have the desire because I didn't know that I should have had it. You know what I'm saying? It's just it, it wasn't there. Um... And it's deeper than anything that I've ever had with him. My prayer life uh, is just so much more fulfilling. Um, I remember the first time I ever saw uh, the scripture in Revelation 5.8 about the the little golden cups that have the prayers of the saints in them. And I I like to say I'm finally doing my little (coughs) contribution to those. Because it was a a, a struggle to have a meaningful prayer life. And, And now I do. Um... I hear, and I'm going to put that in quotations, because oftentimes in our prayer meetings, we'll say, Well, are you sensing something, or you know you, you you're getting the impression or something like that, you know, a thought. Uh, I hear God so much more now uh, than I ever did. And because I, I have ears, ears that hear more than I used to. Uh, I suppose he was talking to me even after he uh, gave us Andrew as our little surprise gift. He had been talking to us throughout but I was hearing him now um, I even had uh, i shared this with Andy and a couple of people I had this vivid dream and if somebody used to would tell me hey I had a dream God was talking to me," I, oh come on I am convinced 100% that this was uh, just a message a communication from God of his love for me and uh, so so all that has happened in the last year um, it's been an amazing journey the people that you've heard speak, Janabeth and and others, it's been an amazing journey to share with them. The the last scripture, and it's one that you hear often in Freedom Prayer, and it pretty much sums it all up, and that is Galatians 5.1. It's for freedom that that Christ
0: set us free. Thank you. I love it when we're just vulnerable and stumbling. Um, No, And he wasn't stumbling, but he's vulnerable. And, I'm a pretty good speaker, so it sounds like I got things figured out. Don't let, don't be fooled by that. Um, we're going to uh, switch gears very quickly and set up things for Jen next week. Look at this scripture. This is, these are Paul's, his two prayers in Ephesians, the two big prayers for all people, for all time. What he wants us to know. Look at this. He says, "I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, so that." and then there's this, there's like the amazing things that happen when the eyes of your heart are enlightened. Now, how many times have you read that scripture? More than 10? More than 30? How, do, what are the eyes of your heart? Is that prayer becoming true to you? And you go, "Okay. So everybody you read, every single commentary says that is that is your imagination but imagination has a really bad kind con- of... Oh, it's just your imagination. Oh, it's just your imagination. It's, it's like we put it down. And, and God says, and Paul says, No, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the place that you see on the inside, will be filled with light so that you can connect with God. Look at this one. I bow my knees for that he would grant you, to be strengthened with power through his spirit, where? In the inner man. On the inside. And he's saying, I want you to be filled with power in the inner, in the innerest core of you. And so what happens, if these two are answered, here's what happens. Deep on the inside of your spirit, there is a rumbling and a gurgling and a moving and a sensing and connecting with God. And that percolates up like groundwater into your heart. And if you will stop and connect with the eyes of your heart, you'll find this crazy connection with God. You'll go, oh, that's what everybody... Oh! What in the world? Now, some of you might go, New Age, you can connect with all kinds of spirits, but when you connect with God, you go, I, just like Greg did, just like Janet did, I never knew that he wanted to talk to me. Here's Jesus talking about the same thing. <clears throat> he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And from his, okay, that's the place Paul was just talking about. From that place, from his innermost being, the inner man, from his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. So what does that look like? It says, "By this he's, just in case we got it wrong, John <laughs> by this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive. The Spirit wasn't given because He wasn't yet glorified. As soon as He ascended, the Holy Spirit falls. They're born again. They have this river beginning to flow. And what Paul is saying is, if you learn to honor the flow of that river, if you learn to honor it, to consider it, to give it place in you, If you learn to turn on the inside, you will discover a flow of the whole... It's flowing all the time. The harpeth is flowing all the time, but how many of you swum it? I wouldn't swim in it either, but this is a pure river from the throne of God. And he says, it is flowing all the time. Jump in. Drink from it. Ride in it. He describes it, I think, in Ezekiel. He talks about the trees growing on both sides of it for healing and for knowledge. And so... Basically, what this class is, is, this part of the class is helping us to do is to discern what this is. So, we're going we're to do something. We each have three input jacks into our bodies, into our consciousness. The first one is the screen of the senses and drives. So, close your eyes. Now, feel the chair. Just reach with your hand and feel the chair. Just try to visualize what that chair feels like what it is, what it looks like. You're listening to my words. Okay, that is the screen that the five senses come in on. When you when you focus on your elbow hurts, here let's do it, let's do an experiment. Everybody get where you can stick your right leg out. And and move your right leg clockwise. And then hold your finger up, your right your right finger up. Okay, now do a number six with your right finger. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? See, you, you, your body does things, your mind, that screen does things, and you control some and you don't control some. And so you have a screen called the five senses. If you close your eyes, then the other senses can do stuff. You're going to do that at home. I know you're going to do that with your kids. Okay, so you have this screen. Now, you have another screen called memory and analysis. So close your eyes again. That just shuts off other stuff. Okay, I want you to think about a meal that you had in the last couple days, a good meal. I want you to visualize it. See if you can taste it even. The smell of it. Now keep your eyes closed. Now we're going to do math. So 8 plus 2 divided by 2. And the answer is? 5. Okay, open your eyes. Okay, so you saw the meal. How many of you like? Yeah I, I, I told, yeah, I got the meal. I was, I was seeing the meal. I smelled the meal. Okay, so when we switch to math, how many of you saw the numbers, and how many of you just did the math without seeing the numbers? How many of you saw the numbers? Okay, how many of you just did the math because you just do math? Okay, so, so that's left and right brain. That's how people do math in their head. So right brain people see the numbers. Left brain people just do the math, right? It's a a weird little thing. And so, that played out on that screen. Okay? Now you have another screen, and that's called the screen of imagination and impression. Okay? We each have three screens. So, close your eyes again. Now, I want you to see yourself on the surface of the moon. You are an astronaut. And see how high you can jump bounce around on the surface of the moon poof you are now on the top of Mount Everest and the air is really thin and you're gasping for air but the view is extraordinary poof You are now sitting with Jesus on the mount where he's giving his sermon. And he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Just put yourself there, just like you put yourself on the moon. Put yourself there and just think for just a second. Blessed are the peacemakers. Look around in that picture. Look around and see if you can see Jesus talking. See see who else is here. And then ask this question. Just ask it, not out loud, but just, just ask this question. Jesus, is there anything you want to show me about being a peacemaker in my world, in my life? Is there anything you want to show me? okay you can open your eyes so how many of you when you you got to the moon you're bouncing just fine bouncing bouncing on Everest now you're sitting with Jesus how many of you when you ask that question a, a thought popped up or a picture or a memory popped up yeah Greg you want to just show yeah. it Yes, it did. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
2: it did. It just did. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it just came to
0: me that he said, you've got to have peace within yourself. To be a peacemaker. So you, to be a peacemaker. Yeah, so you could, you could follow that. The image of a lamb. The image of a lamb. Mhm. Anybody else back in the seat? Yeah, Gene?
2: Uh I heard, I heard him say peacemaker is not the
0: same as peace lover. Ah, wow. So, got to think about that. Anybody over here? Thought a picture, yeah. I had a person's name come to mind. Oh, very good. Yeah. Anybody here? Yeah. Um, I just imagine being back on the Mount of
1: Beatitudes because I've been there, and so that was. Oh you know, wow. You know, so fun. Just seeing the Sea of Galilee and then seeing the
0: cross, you know. So fun. Um. So here are the. Here's how that works. So the senses and drives. That's a screen, and, and you can look at that screen. You can listen on that screen. <coughs> okay, yeah. On that one, I think one of the ways we can relate to that is sometimes when we feel like a lot of stress is on us, that we feel like there's a weight on our shoulders. Yeah. That's a sense. Uh-huh. And that, that we even punch down. Yeah. You know, when we do, that's the sense and the drive for. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah. That's good. So I'm going to finish in three minutes. Um, so, so the, and then there's, this, then there's the imagination and impression. <clears throat> and so you can focus. Now, God can talk on any of these screens. So you can be outside and a bird flies by and all of a sudden it's got sauce on it, right? That's how that's I say All of a sudden, like I was yesterday, I was out walking and all of a sudden a tree had fallen and all of a sudden I just, I looked and I just began to connect with God he began to tell me about broken lives, and growing old, it's like, those are two different discussions, right, God? You know, so, so anyway, but so so you can be somewhere and God can talk to you if you're, if you're just kind of, you're just aware, you just walk aware. He's everywhere, he's with you, so he can do that. He can talk to you in a memory, okay? So God... Is there anything I need to know, or Jesus, Jesus, we we'll I like to talk Jesus because we can visualize him easier, but Jesus, is there anything I need to know about that time in first grade when? Mm-hmm. Did anything happen? Will you show me? And, and you stop and you listen and you go back there and crazy stuff happens. Because what, you've invited God in, I can talk to a memory, but God can talk in a memory. And he can show you what happened. He can show you where he was. There's, there may have been a traumatic thing. Uh, I, I knew a girl who was in a car accident. She's the only one who was still awake after the accident. She was like six, and, and tra- traumatic, traumatic. Stop. And uh, it, it was, yeah, it was just right up here on the corner, Old Hickory and, and Franklin Road. She got just, and and she wouldn't go through that. She would go around it. And so finally, we just said, why don't you stand at that intersection? and asked Jesus where he was. And she stood there and just began to wail and cry. And I thought, oh, she's reliving it. She goes, no, I'm not. He was holding me. He was holding me. He covered my eyes when it happened, and he held me. And he said, I'm there. I'm there. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And bam, the trauma was gone. The The memory, see, the memory didn't change but, what she believed about the memory changed, right, so God can do that, and this one is the most powerful because we can connect with God anytime, anywhere. you could go and and, and sit and walk slowly through psalm twenty three The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and you can just close your eyes and say, "Lord." Show me about being my shepherd. Would it, I always ask, would it be okay? Would it be okay if you showed me? Or is there anything? Is there anything you want to share with me about being my shepherd? You'll find an hour's gone by, and you're like, I'm only on verse 3. But it was the best quiet time I ever had in my life. I know more about God, and I know more about me in that last 20 minutes than ever. And he goes, that God, I'm telling you, if it's not... If it's Satan, he's doing a really bad job because we are connecting with God, we're growing with God, and we realize that river flows all the time and all I have to do is turn and step into it and stuff happens. So God can touch our imagination and all of a sudden he shows us where he is and what he's doing in the past, in the present. He can show us what we believed about that. And he can change everything. Because when God says something is true, it's true. When God says, I'll take that. You might have guilt and sin about something you've done. And you can say, Jesus, would it be okay if I gave that to you? I can't bear the guilt. It's, it's hounded me my whole life. Would it be okay if I give that to you? Listen to what happens. I, I, I've now probably done that 4,000 times. In prayer sessions with people, no two are the same. But what is the same is the most gracious Savior takes that away and gives something back that is far, far better than the guilt will ever be. And it's crazy. You go, I'm I'm walking with God in real time. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And no one can take this from me. And just just watch. I mean, that's like the hors d'oeuvres. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're connecting with the Father. I once had a guy said, uh, he said, I I feel good with Jesus, but not with the Father. And one day I said, ask him, ask Jesus if he'll take you to the Father. And he did. And he was just like, oh, oh, his eyes. Oh, oh my, oh, oh. And he was like, oh, oh, don't bother me. Oh, oh. I'm I'm just dying to find out what's going on. But he said... We went to see him, and oh my gosh, he has kind eyes. I mean, it's just like changed everything about his walk, that one experience. And so what I'm going to do is just invite you into those. So next week, Jen, who's like probably the best I know in leading us into that sort of thing, I'm going to be out of town, and Jen's going to be here. She's the co-author of the book, and she's going to just help us find ways of connecting with God in real time in an exercise kind of a thing, okay? So, um, this is going to be the most important stuff we talk about in this whole class. We're going to use that as a basis for a lot of other things. But honestly, um, that will change your life more than anything. Jeannie, right? That, that will change your life more than anything will ever change your life. That changed my life more than anything. And all of a sudden, God is, not all of a sudden, you go, he's always been this real. I just didn't know it. It's like when, when Jacob said, God was in this place and I didn't know it. I need to build an altar. I didn't know. I didn't perceive it. I didn't know it. Okay? So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for saying you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. That you and the Father and Holy Spirit make your home in us, inside of our spirits. Lord, open the eyes of our heart, as Paul prayed, that we can know, 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 the intimacy of your presence there. Lord, protect what's been given today. Let it grow. Let it have life. Amen. See you next week.